0: Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. You know, it's been a while since I've been here to see
1: this view, but it does not get tiring at all. I am down at the Inn Inn at Perry Cabin with Executive Chef Gregory James. How are you? Man, I'm great. It is beautiful outside today. Do you get tired of the view? I've been here for three years and you don't. You never do. You know, sometimes it's a little gloomier than other days, but you know what? today it's sunny out and it's beautiful. It is. Have you been able to find spring down here yet? I mean I'm I'm we're based in Annapolis, so we haven't seen really too much of spring. The, we had like one or two fake days. You
2: are correct. It <laughs> has been erratic to say the least. We've I've seen a day of 80 and then the next day it was 32. Like it, it has been uh,
1: a, a roller coaster ride of weather here so far this year. Well I will say that if anybody wants to be treated like royalty uh and to dine like royalty, uh you want to go to the In a Perry cabin and their website is Obviously enough, in at Perrycabin.com. And right down here in beautiful St. Michael's on the Eastern Shore. And this has just been an exquisite resort. I guess that's not really a is that the it is a resort. You know, we we it's an inn, but we're a little bit big. We're too
2: big for a bed and breakfast. And you know, we're we're a full capacity resort. We have all kinds of amenities from golf to spa to tennis. Um, to the yachting to the boating. So
1: we are a full-on resort I was snooping around on the website this morning and it said that you've got provisions to helicopter in and My helicopters in the shop. I would have I would have brought it but uh. well here,
2: you know We actually had two fly in today um, And one yesterday so that you know one of the dishwashers came to me to this morning like chef chef There's two helicopters outside and I said it Yeah, happens. I know it happens quite a bit <laughs> And she's like is the owner here. I'm like no they're guests and they're and they're like, well, they have a bunch of wine yeah I know <laughs> that's, that's, that's,
1: that's that's hysterical, but you know I, I was looking around I was looking at some of the history at the inn at Perry Cabin and I was you know where where did it come from? It dates back to eighteen sixteen I guess it was a farm
2: it, yeah, it was a farm, uh, then it came an equestrian farm. Um,
1: and it, it, in 1980, it became what it is today, the of Perry cabinet. It started with only six rooms, right? And then, it, then it was sold a couple times, and it went through some expansion. It went through like a 17 million dollar expansion early in the, um, in the like early 2000s, I think it was, which is what we're looking at today. Which seems
2: like, a, like to me, 2000 sounds like yesterday, but in realistic terms, it's actually, it actually was quite a while ago. Oh, it's, it is it,
1: it is it is a while ago. And one thing that I thought was kind of curious as to how it got its name, and that apparently uh, it was originally owned by a naval officer. Correct, uh, Hazard Order Perry Cabin. Uh, when the British attacked, he was one of the people that saved this area, and so it's named after him. Yeah, it was pretty neat. And it's named after um, Commodore Oliver Perry's Cabin. Yes. <laughs> on, on the ship, the, what, the Niagara, I think it was. Correct. That's pretty cool. Well, I'll tell you what, I want to ditch a little bit of the history because this is just a fabulous place and you could get lost on this for months and months and months because the reason that we're here is to talk about you because you were recently named Chef of the Year by the uh, Restaurant Association of Maryland. Yes. And, you know, I initially I think of like this uh, association. I'm like, okay, well, that's just sort of, you know, shaking each other's hands and patting each other on the back, but they have two thousand member restaurants and you're the man congratulations (laughs) it's an honor
2: like i don't know i'm speechless and uh you know i've only lived here for three short years and be to win this award here in maryland is 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 a true honor and a testament to what my team does every single day three years three years i feel kind of bad coming in and stealing it away from all the people that have been here working so hard their whole life but uh you know, I'm not ashamed. I'm just really happy
1: that my team puts in the effort and the work, and we're, we're super excited. Well, that's great. Well, we are sitting here in Stars Restaurant, and it is capitalized for some reason. Why is it capitalized? Stars? Yeah. Well, because it's a proper name. It's, it's well, no, it's all caps. It's, it's all caps. Yeah, I've seen it all, all All caps. caps.
2: I don't know. That, I, that's a great question. I've never been asked that. Um,
1: I'll have to find that out for you. Yeah, maybe because it's larger than life, or the I mean, food is is grand. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's let go with that. That's I that's a great. I, I, that's my <laughs> new answer. Yeah, it was kind of funny. But the how long has this iteration of Stars been around as as the restaurant at the at Perry Cabin?
2: Um, it started in about two thousand, I think, is when Stars was born. Okay. As as is today, it's only been about two years uh, since the beginning of the covid pandemic because stars when i first got here was a you know a traditional uh, menu of you know uh, entrees appetizers desserts that kind of thing where today it's uh, a a prefix menu with a tasting menu um so we've really changed everything that we've been doing in the last couple
1: years well i guess you had plenty of time during covid to figure that (laughs) out
0: you know we actually
2: never closed down we were open almost the whole time really Uh, yeah um there was a short couple months i think uh the first march to may that we we closed down and the owner came and stayed here and uh we were employed you know taking care of him and his family and uh other than that like short two or three months there
1: we've been open the whole time that's fantastic well you know and, and you mentioned that the menu is changed. And it used to be, you know, apps and main entrees and everything else. And you've gone more toward a, toward a tasting menu. And I mean, does that change? I mean, your menu changes every single day. Every single day? Yes, every single day the menu changes. So, so it's, it's not a, it's
2: not a spring, winter, summer, fall no, menu. No, not at all. So what, what it is is that we get a lot of guests that come to the inn and stay for two, three, four, five a, a week um, at a time. And when you come to the inn... I want you to have a different experience every day. And so I, I wouldn't want you to come in one night and then have the menu and then have to come in the next night and eat the same exact menu. So what we do is we actually change out we change the entire menu every single day. So that way when you come you have something different to eat.
1: It gives me something to study every single night. You when, when the, I the, 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 the new table. servers
2: and the new uh what we call dining room assistants or food runners, it, it drives them nuts at first because they they'll you study the menu but you study the menu for that night and then you come in the next day and it's a different menu and you come in the next day and it's a different menu um eventually you learn the terms and technology or terminology and you learn different techniques that we use and then it becomes familiar over time but even like some of we just got a bunch of new cooks in and one of the young ladies came to me she's like chef i don't understand like I, I don't know what to study, and I'm like, well, you just have to, you know, watch and learn and study new techniques Just
1: learn the techniques, and um, it's 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 a roller coaster. Well, that's 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 pretty amazing that you sit there and and well, I mean, it's not like oh, it's Tuesday, it's chicken. <laughs> you, know I mean? it's like, you don't you don't ever have that from my guest. No, you know what
2: we we do is it really just dictated upon what comes in the back door, like. Some shore boys fish called me today or texted me today and said, "Hey, I got snakehead fish coming in today, so that's going to be on the menu today." Someone will t- say uh, Whitman Wharf will be like, "Hey, I, we just got some really great black bass off the boat, and that will be on the
1: menu today." So it's really dictated by what is coming in the back door every single day. Well, that was what I was curious about. I mean, you guys are renowned for the quality of the food and the and the creativity of the food uh, that that is here and. I mean, aside from the Chesapeake Bay and the Miles River here, I mean, you're, that's, I'm presuming, is where most of your seafood is, is sourced.
2: Almost all, 100% of it. You know, we uh, we have a lot of fish partners. Don Hagelson brings us soft-shell crabs. Whitman Wharf has got tons of different things they bring us. Um, Keith from BSA Seafood, they're bringing us, you know, what's called uh, soft-shell clams or pissers or, you know, it doesn't really, like... It's all about what they get, and, and they know that, like I said, I I, I will I want your best. I don't want just anything. I want what you got off the boat, the best thing you have available, and it needs to be coming out of these waters. Where do you source
1: your, your non-wet food?
2: Non-wet food, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, um, I was just at the St. Michael's Farmer's Market two days ago, and I found a new beef farmer. He's, he raises cattle, uh, Black Angus, and so we're going to start using him. He's out of Easton. We were getting our beef from Rosetta Farms out of Baltimore, but the the farmer out of Easton is obviously much, much closer. And uh, it's the same same style of cattle, so it's going to be a a fairly equal product. Uh, Duck we're getting from Jurglewich Farms out of Pennsylvania, just a couple hours north of here. Uh, What else do we have that's on the menu that's local? Marco Farms veals from Pennsylvania. Um, so it's
1: uh, my father loved it i hate it
2: oh man (laughs) my my father loved it and i love it it's uh we actually have a new dish uh we're working on it's a uh, veal sweetbread dish and it's a playoff of eastern shore slippery dumplings and it's going to be really cool we're really excited to
1: put it out there neat neat so i mean i guess it's fair to say that i mean if it's not hyper locally sourced it's definitely regionally sourced for it's the majority of your
2: almost everything i would um you know we use allentown chicken it's here out of eastern shore our typically no chicken on the dinner menu it's typically um you know off, off our sandwiches
1: and and things like that so right well you'd mentioned when we were talking about the restaurant association in maryland you said how you have sort of felt a little bit guilty but not too guilty for,
0: for, for, for
1: coming in because of the team that has been been working here probably. But i mean how much does it how many people does it take to make this this um, this operation run yeah we have about 40 40
2: cooks and that's most people are shocked when they hear that um
1: we have a uh, full bread crew, baking crew. And this is, all, this is all in behind the house, right? Yeah, 100% this is not, this behind is not, the house. This is not servers. This is not hostesses Sol- hosts Solely or- culinarians. We wow. have about
2: 40 culinarians that are on staff. Um, we employ anywhere from high school students that are part of the uh, apprenticeship program through Eastern High School. We have apprentices that are coming from international from J-1 visas. Um, I have a bunch of college students that we're... Uh, mentoring through externship program in the Culinary Institute of America. Um, I have international workers from H2B uh, employees through Jamaica and we have a bunch of homegrown uh, talent here as well that some from the Eastern Shore and then some that have come with me across my travels across the United States that just kinda followed me and, and want to be here. Nate, What do you guys do best? take care of our guests.
1: Oh, there's a political answer, but no, I mean I, that,
2: that, that, that's that's what we <laughs> do though. That's that's Because pe- people ask me all the time, what do you like to cook? And I said, I, I don't cook. Once you've matured in your cooking, you no longer cook for
1: yourself. You cook for your guests and you cook for the people. True. But is there a signature dish that, 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 that we've got? Okay, I'll, t- I'll tell you, my, my thing is if I yep. go into a restaurant and they say, hey, we have outstanding creme brulee, eggs benedict, or French onion soup, yep. I will totally judge that restaurant. It doesn't matter how good they are. If, it's, if those don't meet my standards. Yep. Well, when, you, when you're talking about an Eastern Shore restaurant, you have to have
2: imp- crab imperial or some form of imperial on your dish and your menu somewhere. And uh, one of our signature amuse-bouches, which is a gift from the chef, is the translation of that, is a crab imperial. And what we do is we serve it in this egg shell, and it's perfectly cut. And you can't really, it It, it looks like a hard-boiled egg that's been emptied and cleaned, the shell only, and then you stuff the crab meat inside and then put the uh, imperial sauce and bake it off. You can't visualize what it looks like. It's hard to, but it, it, it's
1: amazing. Like when the guests see it, they're just like, "Holy cow, this is amazing!" Wow. I know I, I can somewhat visualize. I, I can visualize that it's a, it's difficult to make.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's 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 why it's one of our signature things. Like we we serve it to, we serve it. It's on a rotation every couple days because we want to make sure that the guests. I mean, it is it is a regal dish. It is really a
1: very refined, beautiful dish. Right. Well, well, chef, you are pretty much the maestro of this correct isn't that's that's the role of an executive chef it is you know i i've
2: i've built this program from the ground up and you know I, I do have a lot of my i mean all of my fingerprints all over everything and uh um it takes a lot of collaboration like i i have my cooks and sous chefs we have a meeting we talk about with the menus um at the end of the day it's you know i have to be responsible for everything but i, I like to Pulling my team for collaboration
1: how difficult is it to come up with new menus every day
2: well when you got a team of 40 that's very passionate about what they do and people um i, I get uh, text messages at 11:30 30 at night going chef what happened if we take the the fish row and we dry it and we add it to this and we do this and i'll get some other cook is sending me pictures of of a, of a fruit platter or a fruit garnish thing he's working on It becomes pretty easy because 40 people is a lot of people and there's a lot of ideas and as long as you've fostered that environment when people are willing to share and aren't scared to share it becomes fairly easy well it sounds like you've really empowered your team to be able to well they have to be because i have to be able to like like let's say we run down the menu and we say okay we're gonna do xyz i can't do the prep all myself like i can't i have to be able to trust them to do that and so if I step away for like an interview like this, or if I'm working on a photo shoot, or um, we're working on a couple other big projects, I need to know that they're going to be able to do it. And to do it, they have to be bought in. Like they have like you can't just be uh, willy nilly or half bought in. It's you're fully bought in. And so to be bought in, you have to have
1: collateral. And to have the collateral, you have to have your, some of your own ideas involved. Right, right. Well, I want to talk about you. I mean, how did you get into the culinary biz? I was born into it, to be honest with you. You know, it's, it's funny. I almost bought a restaurant a long time ago. And there was a, an established restaurateur in Annapolis that grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and said, you don't want to get into the restaurant business unless you're born into
2: it. Yeah, it, and you don't. <laughs> it, it, I, I've had numerous friends ask me, like, hey, you know, I want to invest into a restaurant. Do you want to run it for me? I want to, I want to buy a restaurant or... And I tell them the first thing I say is no. I'm like, I'm like buddy, I love you, but man, if you, you might as well just take that money and put it in a, in a bank account and you'll get more money back than you will if you own a restaurant. I'm like, <laughs> you own a restaurant because you love it and not because you're trying to make money or you, because you think it's going to be cool. Like it, it is
1: a lot of work. But what? How, how did you? So you were born into it? Did your yeah? Did your parents so have restaurants so yeah. I was family? born in
2: Texas. My dad and mom had a restaurant there called Joseph's. Um, my dad was a, a trained as a cook and a restaurateur and an entrepreneur. His whole life is basically what he did. He actually started. He worked for the McDonald's Corporation and then eventually worked for Steak and Ale and then he opened up his own little restaurant. And uh, when my little no when i was born i think my mom decided she didn't want us really growing up in the restaurant business because it was in the 70s it wasn't viewed as a really great career path it was like sure uh, you know it was the, the the offbeat people the the people that didn't have you know real jobs that did that cooking and um so my mom and dad packed up and we moved to wisconsin and my dad uh my grandfather was an accountant, and so my dad went to, back to college and became an accountant. And you know, they struggled, you know with, uh, for a while because he was in school, and she was a stay-at-home mother, so we really struggled for a long time. and then eventually became a certified public accountant. And when he was doing the accounting work for a small restaurant in the town that we were living, the two ladies that were running it were at retirement age and they're like, Joe, you've run restaurants before and you kind of counsel us and you do our paperwork and you know how much the restaurant makes. Why don't you buy it? And that kind of started my career huh? right there. I was 15 and, uh, never done anything different. So it's,
1: so have, did, did you go to the CIA or any, I did. So I, uh, so I started
2: cooking when I was 15. I went to this culinary institute when I was 18. It was Great school, I don't recommend it for anybody at this point. The truth, and it's a great school. Mm -hmm. It is. It's it's the best in the world. I just can't imagine putting yourself into debt, eighty to one hundred thousand dollars, and then coming out and making twenty dollars an hour. The the truth is, it's from sixteen to twenty dollars an hour, and having student debt that big, I don't know that it's the
1: best thing. The return on your yeah yeah, yeah
2: and and. I, I truly believe that you go work in the best kitchens in the world and you can get an education that is equal to the CIA, but you have to be willing to push yourself harder. You have to be willing to work for a little bit less and you have to be willing to take a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, you got to work at the best restaurants and the best restaurants have
1: tough kitchens. Sure. Sure. Well, you came here from California? I did. So I moved here from Napa. Um Boy, there's a, quite a shift in cuisine, isn't there? Yeah, it
2: was. Um, man, Napa was tough. I, I loved Napa. I, I moved there. I, I really wanted to win a Michelin star. I, I was working in Yelmville, California. That's where French Laundry is. It's like one of the best restaurants in the world. And Thomas Keller's all his restaurants. And the truth is, is the cost of living was just too much. Like, I, I couldn't live. Like, I... I was working to put a roof over my head and a, <laughs> a car McDonald's hamburger. And a McDonald's plate. hamburger, right. And, and um, I was like, I'm 40 years old and I can't, I'm not on the right path anymore. And then when Michael, the general manager here, called me, um, the crazy thing is Michael called me the week I accepted the job in Napa was the week he called me and offered me this job. And then I said, Michael, I just taken this job. I'm a man of my word. I gotta, I gotta stick, you know, stick to it. And um, and it was Napa, and I was like, yeah, I got it, Napa. And and then a year and a half later, he called me back, and he's like, are you looking? Are you looking? He, he actually called me six months later, and then a year, <laughs> and then a year and a half. And then I told him at at that point, I'm like, well, I have to stick out. My I got to give him two years. Like that's like a a minimum for me. And I said, if you can hold on till January, I'll,
1: I'll come in January. And so six months later, I was here. Talk about your reputation preceding you. <laughs> I, I i mean the gm of the in a perry cabin has hounded you for two years to get you here so it's no wonder that you've won the awards and the accolades and the the food is just as exquisite as it is here.
2: well i appreciate that it, it's been you know a lot of a labor of love and we've had our ups and downs with covid and and that but the truth
1: is is every day we just get a little bit better and we're we're excited for the future right well i'm assuming that you uh don't eat the stars' meals every single day. I mean, you probably do a lot of awful lot of tasting, but where does um, where where do you eat when you're when, I'm when you're at home? What's well,
2: uh, we we do we do something called taste plate every day, and so what we do is we have the cooks put up. It's a plate. It's got anywhere from sixteen to twenty ramekins, and it has every single puree, vegetable, or sauce that we do, and we taste that at first. So that we taste every single thing. To make sure that it's all correct, so that way during service we're not adjusting or okay. f- fixing. Um, that way I know that like what the guest is getting, and so when they, they, they say, hey, the guest thinks this is undersalted or oversalted, I've already tasted it, and I don't have to taste everything during service. Right. It's already been done. The truth is, is I'm here all day and all night. For me, um, my lady friend typically makes me dinner when I get home. And I, it's usually about eleven, and that's um, my one meal of the day. Something light and yeah, off I, to bed. Yeah, some, usually uh, some poached chicken and some veggies. You know what I mean? Something something light. You know
1: what I mean? Something healthy. When you do get your rare day off, where would you go? Where would you go besides
2: here? I, I love to go. I mean, on my days days off, I love to go to Washington D.C., New York, Annapolis to go somewhere else. Like I, I like to get out of here. Uh huh. I like to see what other great restaurants are doing. I love to eat at Michelin star restaurants. I love to eat at the truth is I love fast food just as much as I love right. uh Foie gras. Um I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um I just love food. Like it's hard to like I, I don't, I'm not picky. I'm,
1: not pick, I'm, I'm the least picky person in the room at all times. Like it, It's easy to eat for me. You know, My, my, my complaint about Annapolis is, is that we don't have a true, what I would consider a five-star restaurant. And I don't know what the star rating is of stars here. I'm sure, sure it is. But my own definition of that is that I would get in my car and I would drive to stars down here to dine. Yep. And then I would turn around and go home. Yep, we do a, okay, a lot of that. I'm not, I'm not here to stroll St. Michael's. I'm not here nope. to take a boat or anything like that. And I can name a dozen restaurants in D.C. or Baltimore or Northern Virginia that I do the same from Annapolis. I would drive up yep. Woodbury Kitchen. They're not around anymore up in Baltimore. But I would drive up, eat, have a great time, and go back. Yep. But Annapolis comes close. But there's there's Flamont is pretty good. Flamont is good. It's good. Frederick good. Depew is, is, is is good.
2: And it's probably the best i've had in annapolis yeah and uh I, I can't think of anything other than that that's yeah, like, there's
1: been 909 which is and and there's a couple of really i hate to say sort of dumpy latin restaurants but they're they're absolutely outstanding but they're in just horrible that's not, crazy not you, the
2: the the little ramen shop that's a chain i love it
1: something. Bobateed, Bob- it's, <laughs> it's
2: something something um <laughs> it's good like for what it is for the price paid and
1: for the speed and everything else, it's good. That's that's fantastic. But yeah, no, I would love to see Annapolis's dining scene just kicked up a notch. Um, for it, and it doesn't need to be a big place. I mean, no. I, I mean, this is not gigantic. This is a, not a gigantic restaurant here.
2: No, no. I mean, it, you
1: it, to do it right. I mean, a nice forty-seat restaurant would be perfect. I would agree. I remember my back in back in high school days. My father lived in um, New York, and he had in with a couple different restaurants, and they had the, the ladies' menus and the gentlemen's menus, the ones with the prices and without the prices. Yeah. Uh, it was always, always an impressive first date. That's and cool. We walk out, and they're like, "Do we have to pay the check?" I'm like, "Oh no, they'll send it to me." <laughs> and it's like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, kind of kind of funny, but well, I'll tell you uh, one important question, and probably the the whole discussion hangs on this you said you like peanut butter and jelly and stuff like that but what do you what's your opinion on hot dogs love them do you love hot dogs okay now here here's here's the kicker what condiment goes on top of it
2: well there's there's two schools of thought on this and this is my own Oh, you're gonna be political on me i know i love mustard that's it mustard and onion that's that's it but being living in phoenix for a long time i love pico de gallo and bacon and mayonnaise. Oh, which there's is, plenty of
1: creative things you can do, uh, but uh, on, on just a pure, just a pure hot dog, hot dog mustard and, and onions, and that's it. Nothing else. All right, now taking this one step further to settle an argument with my girlfriend and I, she said there is no place in the world for yellow mustard. I disagree. Hot dog, it is. Hot dog and hamburgers, those are the two. I, I, I dis- exactly where I am. I mean, you know, if if you give me a gourmet hamburger, I'm probably putting on a uh, you know yeah, a brown like, mustard like or, brown
2: or Dijon or something like yeah. that. But ha- like a, 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 a nice smash burger with with yellow mustard or or the thing is with mustard it, it's such a perfect condiment because it's 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 acidic, it's it's flavorful, and there's zero calories and it's it's beautiful. Like I, I think mustard is one of the few like super beautiful
1: condiments of the world. Oh I love o- it. O- o- overlooked, you know. This is great because I'm going to go home and I'm going to gloat. <laughs> I, I'm going to gloat that the chef of the year for the state of Maryland and the Restaurant <laughs> Association of Maryland has said that yellow mustard on hot dogs and hamburgers. We we
2: make we make a honey mustard here that I, I learned this recipe 25 years ago. I want to say it's that it's been that old. Um, it's it's a honey mustard and it's delicious and we actually have it published here too it's it's equal parts yellow mustard Dijon whole grain honey and then a half part Heinz 57 and it makes the best honey mustard you've ever had in your entire life interesting the best like the best Wow,
1: okay. It's, it's
2: super easy to make. Um, we use it on like soft-shell crab, or we use it on our pretzels, but... Sure. Um, absolutely fantastic honey mustard. I, may,
1: I may, may try to duplicate that. It's super easy. <laughs> uh, probably not too successfully. As you've traveled the world, as you've traveled the country, from Napa to, you said, Phoenix to... Man, I've
2: been all over. So I started, I grew up in, born in Texas, raised in Wisconsin, moved to New York for college, from there, I lived in Chicago and in Minneapolis. From there, I moved to California, to, to uh, Southern California, uh, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, to Phoenix, to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, to Napa, and then to here in the Charleston's Eastern Charleston's
1: got some good restaurants.
2: Charleston was hard for me. Uh, I, I thought the food scene was amazing, mm-hmm. Right. The weather was like the humidity and the the, the hurricanes, you know, I was there and had two hurricanes at the time. Right. Very short time. It was two hurricanes. I don't know why. I just didn't love living there. And I don't know why. I just, I think it's a great place to visit. Interesting. Interesting. I thought it was a great place to go there for a weekend, but I just, I don't like living there. That's interesting. Where's the best restaurant you've ever been to? That's uh, So if you ever watch Netflix, and there's a, rest, a show called Hero's Dream of Sushi. It's a very famous documentary about um, Hero and his uh, quest for perfect sushi. It's in Japan. He only takes X amount of, I think it's 12 seats a night. He only has 12 diners a night. And in 2016, at the resort I was working at got bought out. And I got a uh, a sizable check to walk away. Like the, I was executive chef. They had a new management company in, and they they gave me it's that here's a uh, what do you, I don't know what that's called. Like, thank you for putting in your time. And and uh, I took six months off of work. I traveled around the world. I ate at the best restaurants in the world. I spent a grip of cash really fast. <laughs> but the thing about that was is. I had never taken a vacation up until that point in my life. And I was like, I work, I work, I work, I work, I work, I work, I work. So you're probably like a kid in a candy shop. And I just, I wanted to do something for me. And uh, so I went to uh, the the restaurant in Japan and it was out of this world. Every bit of, every, every bit about. (laughs) Every single thing about what I was on TV and on the Netflix and
1: um, it was amazing. Who do you consider the best chef out there today and please don't say gordon ramsay no, or Guy no. Ferry, okay? <laughs> no not even close
2: <laughs> man there's so many chefs that put it out there right now that you know the, the the chefing world is in a in a completely different stratosphere than it was when i first started and there's so many different avenues for chefs be it net netflix or youtube or instagram or tiktok or there's just so many revenue streams and way to make money now it's it's crazy to me But if you're talking about pure chef, like someone that's doing the best food, I I don't want to go with cliche answer. Would be Noma restaurant. Rene Redzepi. He's won best chef, you know, best restaurant in the world like five times Mm, in the last ten years. And, and, And I mean, it's easy to say that because he's he's won all those awards. But for me, like if you're talking about longevity. And in, I, and I guess another another easy answer would be Thomas Keller. And, and the, you know, I just moved here from Napa, and his what he's done for American cuisine and done for fine dining restaurants across the United States is is phenomenal. Um, I don't know that you can nail it down to one. I think there's there's
1: so many people doing a lot That's of great fair. things. That's fair. And it's funny you mentioned TikTok and Instagram and all, all of that. I mean, there's so much talent, and just not the culinary world, but and all over that everybody has it you don't know that now everybody's got the ability to bring it out and display it which is kind of amazing it's
2: crazy right like just to think that you know that you can make money making videos from your own home or from out here going on a boat or going wherever like crazy and the the way that people have been able to monetize that and capitalize it's we're in an unprecedented time it's amazing
1: to me i wish i knew more about how to do that well, I'll tell you, Chef Gregory James. Thank you for your time this morning. I just have one more question. That it it's very easy to go into any kind of a service business, whether it be retail or a restaurant or something like that, find something uh, that has gone wrong or is just not right, and squawk about it. Yep. Okay. Complain. I'd like to. I, I want to see the manager. Okay. We're <laughs> sorry to the Karens out there, but you know you can pull a Karen on this. Yep. Um, what? Let's let's flip this out here. What is the best compliment a chef? or a server, or somebody in the culinary world can get from a diner? That's a great question. I'm
2: going to think about it for a second. I'm going to tell you a small story where I think about that. So my dad used to, he was a restaurateur, an entrepreneur, and he used to tell me you never go into a restaurant and look for the bad things because you you can find bad things everywhere. Like you'd be like, well, the, this linen's got a small crease in it <laughs> or there's a stain here or there's a piece of trash on the floor or maybe the, the, the fries were irregularly cut. But what he used to tell me would be, you know, Greg, you need to look for the things that they're doing right and why these guests keep coming back here. And so when I dine out, I always try to find one or two good things about the place, rather than looking at the negative. But to answer your question about what is the best compliment that you can give a chef, the best compliment is when you touch someone and, and they, they talk about how it reminds them of something that they used to eat from a fan, like an existing memory. Right? You know, when I went to this, this meal, is reminds me when I went to Paris and we ate at, you know, a or this is when I went to. We get compared to the Inn at Little Washington a lot. You know, when we go to Little Washington, this meal was as great as that. And when you when you talk about someone like Patrick O'Connell, who's been in the business for, I, I think 40, 50 years, and you get paired to someone like that, it, that's a really really great compliment. You know, I you know I may have been been doing this for a long time, but. Just being here for three years, and you get a, a beautiful compliment like that. That really, that really makes me makes my day.
1: Good to know. Well, if you want to have an incredible culinary experience, uh, and that's for. Lunch, dinner, whatever it Breakfast, may be. Breakfast. Breakfast. Sitting on, outside on the yacht by the pool. Ooh, not a bad idea. Uh, in at PerryCabin.com and Star's Restaurant, we're here with Executive Chef Gregory James, who is the Chef of the Year for the Restaurant Association of Maryland. And that's, you uh, know, it still blows my mind out of 2,000 members, 2,000 plus members, that it's whittled down true it
2: it's crazy like when they they actually called me and they said you've been nominated for the award and i was like okay like i didn't i didn't
1: (laughs) like apply i didn't like so somebody nominated someone
2: nominated us the truth is it wasn't even on my radar it wasn't something i was like looking to win or even i was just trying to be the best us that we could be and then we got excited, and then we like, you know, we put it up on our social media, and the hotel did a little email blast. And then there was like a two month gap between when you were nominated until the the gala night, where they had the actual award dinner. We brought all of our sous chefs with us to the award. We I, I rented a suite to have a little after parties per se. I gave myself a... There were six other people that were up for the award, so I gave myself a 16% chance to win. Um, being from the smaller... small Like, most of the other chefs were from Baltimore or... Larger uh, markets. La- Large sure. markets, right? I got to meet the other chefs that were nominated, and they were actually... Some of them were sitting at my table, which is very coincidental, which didn't happen I'm Like, we had rented our own table. It just some of them had happened to sit down there, and then, like, just... It was completely coincidental. And when we... When it was the award came out, and they'd, nom- they'd said, and the winner is, and it was my name, and time just kind of stopped, and I was like, oh, wow, this is really happening. And uh, I went to the stage and got my award, and we we ended- there was an after party for the winners, and we actually ended up going up to our suite instead of going to the after party, and we all kind of sat in a huddle, and we each shared a story about, like, why we do this, or, you know, our favorite story of the year, or what, you know, a story of something crazy that happened in the kitchen that in the last year or two. And it was really impactful for the team, like just to be like, not with everybody else, but just to sit in and, and
1: have this moment together. Sure, Best, can it. It's, it's gotta be a magical moment for, for you. And, and I, I, don't, let's hesitate to call it a team. Cause I imagine you guys are closer to a family than you are. a team.
2: Oh, for sure. We spend so much time together. Like uh, one of my sous chefs is having a, his wife is having a baby and it's you know he's constantly in and out, just dealing with that. And uh, another one just had a baby, so there were the two of them. Where do they
1: find time for this? I, I, I know
2: <laughs> that's between eleven p.m. and six a.m. That I I don't have time to control that, but they they can have their fun. And the great well, what's really powerful for me about that situation is is they both moved here from Phoenix to be with me here. They both met their future wives and they both are now starting families here on the eastern shore that they both have traveled to multiple states to
1: be with me that's fantastic chef gregory james congratulations congratulations to the inn at perry cabin uh come on out here and dine come on out here if you want to spend a weekend or a week uh You can spend a month here. You will never eat the same thing twice, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In at PerryCabin.com is the website, but uh, people know this. You can come here. uh, If you've got a yacht, bring it on down. If you've got a helicopter, bring it on down. Uh, Or you can just go old school and just drive like I (laughs) I did. (laughs) But it's just a wonderful place, a wonderful respite to get away. I do highly recommend. Uh, I spent a weekend here probably about 10 years ago, and I haven't been back I was here for one dinner once and, and it, it is a special treat to come here for dinner. It's it's definitely uh, an experience that you will remember for quite some time.
2: Yeah, it is. We get so many guests that come in and they they compliment they they the style of service that we have, there's the attentiveness that is there the food they people are uh, last night the, we had guests that i remember they were sitting at table 30 which means nothing to all of you but to me i remember seeing them and coming out and saying happy birthday and the, the when we we have a lot of people that have to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries but Certainly. the fact that the chef comes out and says happy birthday i mean that that just blows people's mind and and that's the kind of attention like the small details that
1: matter to us that's right you could probably ignore the crease on the tablecloth. Yes. <laughs> yes, Chef James, thank you so much. I appreciate your time this morning. Again, congratulations. And uh, I'm going to get back and like sort of gawk at the view a little bit because I don't get to see it as often as I should. It's beautiful. Thank you, sir. Have a good day.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. Please make sure to visit IonAnnapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion.